1: So, Guy, Nick Mason, Sourceful of Secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK.
2: We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called The Set The Controls Tour. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, I Gary? I
1: wonder. I mm, think yeah. I'm looking at
2: him, right? But then You're I like, did come up with uh, Nick Mason, Sourceful of Secrets. You did, and in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's u Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that.
1: So. Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon, and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink
2: Floyd. It goes up to, just before Dark Side of the Moon. goes Man. up to 1972, all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never yeah. heard. Stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Echoes, obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you um, know, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I
1: never met Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now, and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk.
2: And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of the Secrets: The Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hello, Guy. How are you? Well, I'm I'm sort of washed with numbers, you know. I'm awash
1: with, with platinum albums and, and Grammy awards and MTV awards and i i mean 150 but enough million... about you yeah enough about me <laughs> <laughs> i know someone please dust them all uh, um 150 million records aerosmith have sold um uh, 25 gold albums 18 platinum 12 multi-platinum albums um they hold more certificates certifications but um than any other american group i mean
2: that's amazing. And they were 150 not out against the West Indies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um,
1: but I, I feel that um, in a way they are to rock and roll what the Harlem Globetrotters were to basketball.
2: Uh, Just, that's an interesting way of putting it, I because I remember I saw them. They're one of the first bands I saw in uh, Reading in seventy six or seventy seven. And do you remember there was that thing where there were those American Kiss kind of had this not quite this thing of American rock bands that was really cool and exotic, but and they used to play Hammersmith Odeon type places. But you, they never really locked into the thing over here. Whereas of course in America it was all vastness.
1: And where do you think all that, all those layers? Where did that? First, come from you know layers of the shirts, the multi-shirts, yeah, the I don't,
2: yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it was a some sort of weird attempt to to be rock and roll and keep warm. But do you think it was Keith? I think I think Keith did that. I tell you what, I it think, is. yeah, it's, it's, it's it. like yeah, the lounging, scarves. It's the scarves, lounging around in the
1: south of France, making exile on Main Street, right? And and it's this idea when the shirts are all undone, it's this idea that you've just crawled out of bed and you're not quite going to get it together. To to fully button everything up, and you're a little chilly because you've got no body fat, so you need multiple layers, <laughs> right? So I, that's d- right. That's, that's no
2: offence to anyone who dresses like no, that. no, no, absolutely. But I was saying, but I guess the point where like if you look at Johnny Depp on the Hollywood vampire stuff, it looks like that kit takes hours to assemble. I mean, it's like getting it's it's like getting to sort of dressed up for a scene in Game of Thrones or something, or Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, I, I've missed an open goal there, didn't I? You <laughs> <He> really did. <laughs> uh, but listen, I mean, they've got he Joe,
1: Joe's got this. Joe Perry's got this uh, band with Johnny Depp right now, and that's but, I think, which
2: is so, which we're going to start with. Which is so star-studded, it's it's nuts. The the people they've
1: it is they've, and the and the wonderful and, and the
2: wonderful Alice is in it too. Oh, Why love Alice? Good, for, a friend of the Rock Tours. He really is, Let's and produced by oh. another friend of the Rock Tours, Uncle Bob. Bob Ezrin, of course. Yeah. Let's get him on. Welcome to The Rock Honteurs. Okay, guys, I'm ready. But it's a big tune, for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and
3: found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. I've listened to a few of them, and they've been really good, man. I've been sitting in
1: the
2: back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. Thank you, guys, for still being around, still making music, still being into it, and doing this podcast. It, it's, uh, it's fabulous. Well,
1: I get the feeling that us three should go for a pint. That's what I think.
2: I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called
3: Roxy Music.
1: You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah, so yeah, too, too, get yeah. good at something when we recorded arnold lane we'd done about 50 hours the rock hunters podcast
2: with gary kemp and guy pratt Keep on joe hello hey hey joe this is gary and i'm guy <laughs> <laughs> hey guy what's up joe i wanted to start by asking you if you remember something um which is do you yeah. remember back in i think it was 1999 yeah uh a a fundraising gig that Pat Cash put on at the Café de Paris in London, where you played with Stephen and Jimmy Page and the Robinson brothers. Do you remember?
3: Yeah, now that you mentioned it, it
2: comes crystal clear. I was playing bass. You're kidding.
3: Wow. The
2: Café de Paris. Okay.
3: It sounds familiar. I wish I could say or remember, but I don't.
2: Guy was playing bass. I was playing bass. But I, the thing is that I did a, sto- a comedy show for years, and I used to end, which was just me telling stories and playing bass. And I used to end it every night with the words I said to you on stage, which is still one of the most embarrassing things that have ever happened to me. Which was, we were playing Heartbreaker, and I was just in heaven with Jimmy Page. You were just playing Heartbreaker. It was heaven. And you leaned over to me. And said, "Hey man, you really know how to play this shit," and I was so flustered and flabbergasted and flattered that rather than saying, you know, "Hey man, I'm down with this shit" or something, I went all English and I said, "Thanks awfully."
3: (laughs) I like that though. I've Uh, I've spent enough time. I've got enough English friends, and you know, even back then, and I, I, I got it, but I probably only heard the awful part. (laughs) <laughs> Good
1: answer. You know. That's
2: why you've erased it from your memory.
3: Okay. Where, where, where are you based, Joe? Uh, at the moment, uh, we, we're at our, uh, I'm at our home uh, in Florida, and uh, we live on the on the west coast, down um, the uh, southern part of Florida. Guy, who are you saying who else lives down there?
2: Brian, way? Brian Johnson lives yeah
3: Brian lives probably uh as the crow flies probably less than uh two miles from here um Robin Zander lives about like i guess about an hour and a half drive north and uh one of my neighbors is uh Jimmy from the nitty gritty dirt band he lives like uh, oh, wow. a couple of blocks up up the up the uh coast here you know I mean I could probably hit him with a spear gun from uh, from here. So <laughs> don't, don't do that. Oh,
2: and would you? No. <laughs> yeah.
3: No. I mean I have one but, but, but... I have I haven't used it in a long long while. But anyway, it's the only reference of uh, distance I could that came to mind at, at the moment. But anyway, I think baseball
2: it is a recognized unit of distance. Or, or <laughs> I, I, I could
3: I could throw a cricket bat at him and maybe be a, be, a, be a couple of feet short, you know, but anyway you you know
1: um but what you must be getting together in the local bar i mean there would have been a time surely when you know if the roadies would have got all the gear down and you would have formed the bar band
3: well you know we've we've talked about it this my wife and i've lived down here off and on pretty much for 20 years and before that i mean she's had family here so we've been coming down here quite a lot and uh and we just happened to uh to uh, move into this neighborhood and that's when i discovered he so we've, we've we've been you know friends now for the last couple of years um but there are starting to be more and more clubs a lot a lot of live music down here and a lot of a lot of uh a lot of musicians a lot of guitar play- all all kinds of you know, players down here and uh you know it's one of those places it's kind of like uh it's very Artie, a couple of uh, art colleges. There are, I mean, there's blues clubs and, you know, all kinds of things. And, uh, but I I've kind of, uh, when we get home, we kind of like stick close, you know what I mean? The, most of my plan is, is down in my studio and uh, yeah, so I'm always looking forward to the next show. And that kind of thing. Are you like,
1: are you like I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like seeing bands because I'm always like, I want to be on stage. That's, that's, you know, I'm sort of frustrated because I'm so inspired by what's going on. I want to get on. Are you a bit like that, Joe?
3: Well, yeah. And most it's somebody that, you know, obviously that I know or, uh, you know, and then, you know, there's the yeah. inevitable that you want to come and sit in. But there's, you know, I mean, if we're more, more likely to go out to some other kind of live entertainment, if we're going to go out, you know. Uh but again, if it's somebody that we know or somebody that we're interested in seeing, we'll we'll, we'll go out. But I think that that, but uh, Jimmy, the uh, the drummer, uh, and I have talked about uh, getting together and playing a little bit. It just hasn't happened. He's leaving in uh, I think tomorrow for a ten ten day run with his band, and I'm kind of gearing up for this uh, solo. Hollywood project. vampires. no actually i'm going out for a couple of weeks with with the, the guys from is it the project yeah
2: it's it the Joe the oh, project wow. yeah
3: oh, we're gonna do oh do, we thought
2: we thought you were the vampires was what was
3: happening? well that's happening that's after that i guess when i get back from the, the the uh the solo thing i've got a couple of weeks off and then we pick up the uh the vampires so you know after after uh that run in Las Vegas, you know we've just been kind of uh chilling out down here, and uh you know I know it's going to get hectic how was vegas it's a It's a whole different thing I mean we're well, being musicians, you guys know you know like they they pay us to travel they don't pay us to play the travel is what really eats up the time and the, the those those travel days and uh which are not days off as you know uh, there's yes, there's all absolutely. that and uh and then, you know, of course, when you've shows that are back to back, somewhere in there you've got to travel, unless you're lucky enough to do two in one one place, which is happens once in a while. But so oh, it's that's, really that's
2: the greatest luxury of all, isn't it? Yeah. These days.
3: And I think that the <laughs> but being able to but play in Vegas, it was one of those things where it carried that thing about like, well, this is kind of like the last stop vibe. Uh mm. this is uh people stay there and that's all they do um kind of a, these are broad yeah. statements here i mean you know there well it's, it's they're, sort of changes oh, you mean but
2: it's like a, it's like a weird purgatory isn't it all these people who are there just to service this thing that's not it's not like you're doing a residency in new york where you're in new york you know yeah well the thing <laughs> and is I, and it's transient every everyone there is just passing through everyone's either on holiday or that they sur- they say that that
3: the, the bulk of the people um uh, it changes three every three and a half days. Of course, you know in Vegas they get they get all the numbers down. You know, like uh, just how about the casinos and the gambling, and and that's why they have the, the entertainment. A lot of people just go and they they're not real gamblers, and there's so much to do there. So it's kind of a one of those destination places that's entertainment oriented. So uh, there aren't too many places you can do a kind of a residency like that and have. Yeah. The kind of uh whole houses that, that you might the, the most important thing again from from our point of view is that once you set up your show you can do things through production with lights and things like that that give you a like a, exactly how you would like it. Uh um, yeah, 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 as yeah. a performer better lights, better better whatever but the bottom line is when we went in we said we have to we have to keep the the live like uh twenty percent unknown aspect of a uh, Aerosmith show going in there we can't you know there were suggestions like well, you could play three songs and then you could you could talk about those songs and how you wrote them and then then you could play three more no. songs and we said no that I mean that was shot down right from the, the, right the from the start the blue we army said, aren't gonna have that right we said once we play <laughs> once we start playing it's a rock and roll show I mean we can yeah. we can dress it up and put like, we have, but, the, but, we have the original van that the band rode around in when we first got together. We found that out in the woods and had it had it refurbished, wow. and it's in the lobby. So, like, when you walk in, you see this van that's literally the van that we rode around in. It was a step, like a little step van, like a UPS truck that our roadie had, and, uh, you that's know, amazing. we filled up the back with gear, and we all rode in the front, and... I, we put thousands of miles on that sucker, so that's in the lobby. So it's kind of like you're entering Aerosmith land for those uh, for that show, and, and there are elements from the different art art co- the the covers and uh, of the albums and things like that. But when we stop playing, it's a rock and roll show, and you know we're not. It's not choreographed. There's none of that. It's it's a rock and roll show, and it's different. Uh, I, it.
1: I I think I think you you can do it probably more than anyone can, because part of the secret of Aerosmith's career has been taking on a medium like MTV, which which absolutely step-changed your career overnight. And, uh, and then even having a, 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 going and having a ride at Disney World, you know, having your ride built for you, there's been this kind of heightened reality about the existence of Aerosmith, you know, that is full of pizzazz and old-fashioned show business, even though at the core is is great playing and rock and roll. Well, so I think you can take on Vegas. We've really,
3: and we had to fight for that. Jesus, I remember we would, Steven and I would go at it about having a ballad on the record, you know. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I liked about ballads is, you know, you get to, to go out of your wheelhouse, at least for me, to play a different style of, of guitar, you know, and... Uh, and open things up with you know tonally and, and trying different things to to help the song carry the carry the day so um yeah you know we've always been like saw ourselves as a hard rock band but we always had trouble kind of like I, it used to drive me crazy when we'd go in a record store and we'd find ourselves in the heavy metal bin uh, i know we have songs that would Qualify, but certainly that's not the majority of our stuff. We're just a yeah, rock- no,
2: you're, you're a rock. You're a rock and roll band, right?
3: And and that that no. said, it's it's brought. But the the diversity of the kind of songs Bill we would do it brought us into different. If I hadn't you know tried to to go in the that kind of funk direction, I never would have pulled around with the Walk This Way riff, you know, um sure. and look where that led. So. Those are the kind of things that we've always, uh, you know, we're always willing to try everything, you know? I mean, whether it's... Uh,
2: I'm going to well, use, I, I'd say, like, yeah, it's sweet emotion, for instance. I would say it's like real, has got real psychedelia tinges to it.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's that. And, well, and Dream it's, On it's really as well. Yeah. And, you know, Stephen came to the band with that riff. And we watched that develop. We were lucky enough to have a... We found a piano out on the street and dragged it up to the apartment and uh the, the strings that worked the keys that worked were just enough for him to flush the song out musically and then uh and he had the licks and it was uh jesus it was it's one of those songs i mean we must have played it every
2: show and, it's and which worked. part of the hotel in vegas is that a piano in now
3: that piano i wish <laughs> i wish i knew i mean it probably was you know it went to the dump like so many of those other old every yeah. but uh anyway um but
1: who were the bands the, i mean obviously the stones were there for you but at the beginning i mean people forget how far you guys go back 1970 you're forming i think 73 the first record and uh, but it was in people like the jay giles band i mean who were who did you and alice
3: obviously who who were you wanting to be joe i think we wanted to be us i mean we heard i mean we were obviously influenced by i think i would say the between Between you and me, I always wanted to be in the Yardbridge and Fleetwood Mac. I I think I wanted to be Peter Green, but I couldn't sing, Mm. or I didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't think I could sing. And, uh, but I always, but I I remember turning down a chance to see the Stones to go to see Fleetwood Mac. And I've got a chance to see them probably eight or 10 times. I was wow. at, at the wow. tea party when they recorded that famous live record. It's a uh, four, four record set. And it's got them, you know, cause they, they would, a lot of bands would come to Boston before they would go to New York. They would come to Boston to warm up kind of place. And then, yeah. uh, and then go to New York, which is, you know, they wanted to get, get over jet lag and get warmed up and get a feel for an American audience. And then they would go out and that, and Fleetwood we just Mack, did the same we wouldn't had, had a real uh you know they loved being in boston i remember that they were there probably for two or three weeks kind of like the house band um rehearsing wow. and so that's why they that they ended up recording that brilliant piece of uh piece of, yeah. uh, of work you know recording those shows so i would say that it was always about somewhere between the Birds and Fleetwood Mac was the touchstones for me anyway. I know that we were... You
1: know what's fascinating? What's fascinating is that you look at Aerosmith and you think none more American than Aerosmith. And yet the influences are all British bands from the 60s, those beat bands, you know?
3: Yeah, those are the bands that that we were interested in. I mean, the band that, that Tom and I had before, you know, Aerosmith, we would cover try try and cover, you know, like songs from Live at Leeds, uh songs from oh, yeah. you know, uh as good as you can in the garage, so to speak. But uh you know, those are the, the, the you know, I remember working on the uh on the uh warming up for the, the gig at the it at, at uh Max's Kansas City. We were locked up in a hotel as a the house band there for two weeks and every day we would be in the in the in our rooms, uh, listening to Machine Head, you know, um, um so we yeah, were Deep Purple. extremely influenced by the the, the the English, the second English invasion, you know, and uh, and the thing is, when we were we were kind of like looked at like the the young upstarts in Boston, because Jay Giles to this day, I have to say, was one of the most exciting rock and roll shows I've ever seen. Had nothing to do with fucking, you know, staging, lighting, nothing. When that band got going, it was, and they were, they were like, again, the the house band, the hometown boys. Peter Wolf had a a radio show up in the back at the tea party, and they would be, they would be broadcasting from there. And then they would, Jay Giles, the drummer and the bass player, would start off. They'd do a few songs, and then another, then Seth would come up on the keyboards and magic dick would come up with the, with the harmonica and then peter would come down right after doing his radio show and they blew the doors off the place i mean they learned how to put on an you know he they listened to to james brown they listened, they watched the best showman and they took it to another level so we had a tough time getting any kind of notice cuz we were like who are these guys trying to look be like an english band these kids the giles band rules the roost man and I think that's one of the reasons why we were able to break in Detroit faster than we did in Boston, because Detroit, Rock City, loved Jay Giles. They were from Boston, and not that many rock bands came from Boston. Boston was known as like a, a folky kind of acoustic blues kind of kind of town, being a college town. Right. And uh, when they heard of this new band, Aerosmith, that came from Boston, they gave us an extra listen. and. We conquered Detroit before we did Boston.
2: It's like Alice, like Alice Cooper, right? It's a, isn't it? Same thing, that blue-collar audience. that yeah. Definitely. Took
3: to Definitely. It. Yeah. And the um, thing is, Alice moved to L.A. right away and became a member of the, of the Hollywood Vampires Drinking Club, whereas we stayed in oh. Boston and probably saved our lives. So, uh, you know, and that's <laughs> why that, that record, that first Vampires record, was a salute to all the guys that have died that used to be in the drinking club. So, you know-
2: Dead drunk friends. Yeah, cause you were talking about how, cause you, you mentioned Max's Kansas City, cause that was your big showcase, wasn't it? That right. was the thing that you- Yeah, we went down three
3: it's... times to, to audition and we got passed on twice. And the third time was the charm. And uh, I can remember that show, we were doing the sound check and the guys in the New York Dolls came to watch us and they were—they had actually signed to the same management company a week before we did. So they were the—they were the the New York version, and they—they they were like the media loved them. They—they they were calling them the next Rolling Stones, and we were like this—you know—band from the sticks. So uh, fortunately, were you
2: friends with them? Well, I
3: got—I got to be friends with them because actually after that show where we were. Uh, where we won the, the record deal um, we went down to see them play on their stomping grounds you know and they were, they were like I thought they were fucking great. I always loved the, the punk the, that 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 kind of music, that garage music yeah. and they yeah, were the yeah, yeah. they were great and they like I said they had the, the media in their back pocket and
2: uh, I only bring that up because my first proper professional gig was playing for sylvain sylvain well, I, uh, I i toured europe with him yeah I, I i adored him he was a lovely wonderful wonderful uh, D- man. D-
1: david david johansson actually i think sang with, with you cast, yeah he, he
3: sang he? with you and you
2: wrote with him didn't
3: yeah we ca- he came up to the house a couple of times up in boston and we hung out together i got to be good friends with, with david and still am i mean he's on he sang on like three four songs on on my new solo record and uh we're we're still buddies you know um in fact, he's got a documentary right. coming out soon yeah. that, that Martin Scorsese did. I think it's Martin, and, uh, but it's, a, it's either him or his son. I'm not sure. But anyway, he's got a documentary coming out. Uh, heads up oh, on fantastic. that. But in the meantime, yeah, David and I, have you know, kind of he's one of those guys like uh, Broadway Danny Rose. As soon as he steps off the cement of Manhattan, <laughs> he's, he's a little funky. You know what I mean? But.
2: I saw him in a club in the village sometime in the early '80s, and he had this sort of lounge persona. It's called Bick Spiderbeck or something, right? It, uh, he, was just, Buster, he was doing lounge songs. Buster, yeah. Buster, 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 Buster. B- Buster. Poindexter. That's it. Yeah, Poindexter. So he's it, yeah. he's, but, but, he's a
3: he's a he, his, I love this, and his wife—they're great. They're just. Great but you're pulling people.
1: together some some influences here. that I can
3: re- I'm beginning to picture this. So obviously
1: you've got the hard rock of you know of, of Jake Isles band. But there's also this glam thing that's starting to happen isn't there with New York Dolls and and, and Alice. Right. And and really you want the ultimate guy right and the, that's going to. That if you were to put that together and make the Frankenstein's monster of the greatest person that could ever be the lead singer it would be Steve right it would be Steven Tyler right I mean he he he's so, he's he's the greatest in that style that you could want.
3: Yeah. Well, he definitely us looking up was like I mean he was he, like he says, he grew up under his father's piano. He was a, he was a piano teacher, a Juilliard graduate. Uh, so he learned and it was exposed to a lot of great music. And, you know, he, he, his, his instrument is drums. And originally, I wanted, wow. you know, that really quick story. He, he, we had heard through a good friend of ours who was actually was Bonzo's drum tech for a short while that, the Jeff Beck group. <laughs> for a short while. The Jeff Beck was <laughs> Jeff Beck was looking for a new lead singer because Rod had left, and oh, yeah. and Stephen wanted to try out, so he asked me and Tom to back him up, our band, to back him up on a song, so that he could send him a demo tape. So that's when I finally, you know, got got down to music. I had met Stephen here and there, but and then, then after we recorded it, we jammed even playing drums and me playing guitar, obviously. And that's when we kind of realized that, you know, we got two different people, people coming from two different ends of the spectrum. He was a fanatic about making sure things were in tune. And I was a fanatic about what's tuning, you know, Um, (laughs) it's let's fucking turn up and rock out. And he realized that's
2: so funny what you say, but what you say, and especially with, you, you know, you know, you're, you're on the greatest guitarists list and all that is that one would assume it was the other way around
3: yeah well he was fanatic <laughs> about about that stuff and, and you know like like learning the scales and practicing and pra- and we were all about energy and and throwing it i mean we caught we not only covered english bands you know but also the mc5 uh anything yes. that had you know that was loud and fast that's what we wanted to do I mean well, what,
2: original punk. It's what punk was originally, right?
3: Right. I mean, and kind of... uh anyway, so that that's that's what it was. And he realized that it wasn't all about like technique, it was about energy and rocking out. And you know, and I think and what I saw in him was the guy could play drums like nobody. I mean, and also sing. And uh originally I, we were talking about him being a, a singing drummer. Uh guys that can that, that, that sing and play drums always have the best Drum sound because they get that vocal mic right up there and it picks up the snare drum really well and it's anyway he was the
2: whole package yeah but it yeah. never looks right it never looks oh right. I don't know Lee le- Levon-
3: Helm
1: I mean oh, Don
2: Helman okay Leon Helm uh, Don Hel no I don't know I mm, okay maybe it's just
3: there's, there. a of, there's a bunch there's there's some guy I mean rare earth I mean there's a lot of a, 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 a few of them but you're right I mean uh and he had done both he had I'd seen him. Just be able to sing in, in, in the different bands that he had. And, you know, and he said, I'm just tired of fucking around with drums. The, the, the stuff keeps breaking. I have to, like, you know, spend an hour with Gaffer's Tape, you know, and wire, getting the drums to stay together for every show. I'm tired of fooling around with that. I, w- I just want to sing. So I said, fine. I, we just ad- auditioned this kid in uh, Boston, Joey Kramer. And um and oddly enough they had gone they went to the they lived in the same town in in, uh, in new York and uh so anyway that's that's the the thing with Stephen that we saw in each other that each of us didn't have.
1: Where you're right, Guy, is Stephen was too beautiful to not be at the front of yeah. the stage. Right? The, <laughs>
2: the, thought, the thought of Stephen Tyler playing drums and singing, yeah. is just the, the wrongness it's, of that image.
3: I'm you know, it's just, I mean, again, that part of it, that's it. But I'll tell you this, one song that is actually, the only way we've, I would do it is if he played drums on it. And that's a song called Something, and it's on our last, studio album uh that the one uh where we said well let's just throw everything on that everybody has lying around and i had this song that had written again called something uh and i said steven you have to play drums on it. so that's one one song i can point out that you'll hear his drumming he does he flipped out roles that go from you know that sound like wrong, but they're perfect, those kind of things. Um, he was mm-hmm. a great drummer. You know, I mean, uh, I'm always telling him, listen, man, you should, you should keep those chops up. It's hard enough to get him to do vocal exercises, you know, and get that. Anyway, um, but yeah, the, the, the two opposites, you know, is what made it happen. And then we, I learned a lot from him, you know, about songwriting, that kind of thing. Uh, that, that little piece of of work and uh and he learned a lot about like just letting it go you know when did you
1: uh, when did you two start to, to to write significantly together was that it was
3: during the second kind of in the first album but i we didn't really it didn't i mean i i wrote some of the riffs on that record but he already had songs from his band from bands from before But definitely the second record is when we i have a very clear image of him because we would he would play the drums um because he would come up with these really cool rhythms and it would uh, it would inspire me to just keep riffing you know and uh and then you'd have a mic there and you'd kind of like uh you know scat along with it and, and that would be the same old song and dance is a perfect example of uh i can remember the room we did that in where he he was sitting with the drums with the little with the microphone and an amp and you know we recorded it on something and that was that's one that that i feel like it was the start of of that way yeah so to speak but in
2: order to in order to get to do your second album you had to like convince the label and go on this really really grueling endless building up an audience sort of Touring around, didn't you? So I would have thought. So you must have been, for for a band that kind of fresh to be to be used to honing your songs that much is quite unusual Eighty well, percent
3: of the bands that you, that you that that are the rock bands went through the same kind of thing. I mean, there are the mm. general. It's a general statement, but yeah, you you had that's that's when playing live was everything. You know, it was before MTV. I mean, we did mm-hmm. we did some videos for the record company for promotion or they would show at their annual meetings, whatever the fuck. But, you know, we really didn't. It was all about playing live. And that's when the competition of being on the same bill with other bands became very touchy. sometimes. Um, English bands, which we were like, we were welcoming with open arms. And very often we would get the the fuck you. How much stage room do you need? Well, ten feet. We'll <laughs> give you five.
2: What band? What band? Who is what, the worst? What band? Who what is what the band? Worst? Come on, tell <laughs> us. The
3: Kinks.
1: Ah! <laughs> Why
2: and do I, we not okay, find that you, hard to believe?
3: Story. So we opened oh, yes. the Kinks, and they gave us literally, you know, like no sound check, fucking five feet, and, and and no lights, whatever. You know, it was a Usual shit, you know what I mean? They want to save, and I get it, you know, you want to save your, save the lights for you, you know, whatever. There was that, that kind of stuff. And so I happened to open for them with my, my band, the the project. And I remember them being that way. And I was making a few off color jokes the first, first night that I opened for them about not, you know, just kind of like jabbing them a little bit, you know, saying the last time we played with you guys was to the audience. I got thrown off the tour. <laughs> no. So anyway. No. Well, but you know, Ray can, it, Ray can be a little bit uh, serious.
1: Well, yeah, like we've,
2: we've had Dave I, on the show and he's, he's the sweetest man in the world. I'm so.
3: sure. But you know, back then it was.
2: It was no, no, but I, I'm guessing other quarters.
3: Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. Like I said, it was a different time then, you know, and there was a lot of competition yeah. between the bands. You wanted the audience to, to walk out of the show remember in your business Actually, plus you plus know?
2: they'd only just got back into america remember they'd been they'd been out for years so
3: yeah well joe i was have there, to say you know some of, the, some of the kinks i mean that that there's a live kinks record that is probably one again one of those touchstone records I and mean, i love the kinks i mean i was you know then and, I, and now, you well, of
1: know? course
2: you, of
3: course you do. So uh, I mean, Dave, you know, Dave invented that sound,
1: didn't he? Dave invented the the, the greatest guitar riff to ever be born.
2: Yeah. You know,
3: I mean, so I say, sick. you know, my hats off to him. I, you know, at this point, and you know, I was I was being an asshole, frankly, saying what I did, you know, um, and I deserved to get get the boot. So, um, but still, oh, you didn't do
1: too badly, Joe.
3: Joe, what's the, what's extraordinary okay. about your career? And I, you know, is that.
1: There comes a point where you must think it's not going to happen or it's over or you know i know i know you walk away from the band at one point but you have the story of you know this is the greatest comeback of all time to be to be born again and to be the and to be even greater beyond i mean but was there a time just before that when when you know you thought that maybe this wasn't going to work for you
3: well yeah because again we were kind of we we really didn't play in boston we, we weren't part of the the inner circle there again like i was talking about like jay giles kind of like there was already a kind of uh you know a hierarchy there and there were very few you know really fans to come out of there you know but at that point to make it uh, any noise we saw a lot of our friends playing in clubs in town and making pretty good money but they were having to cover cover music you know and we wanted to play our music so we would go out to the suburbs and play it at high schools and play some of the clubs off in the boondocks so that we could kind of get away with playing like half and half play some of our new songs and that we wrote and covering stuff that at least kids could dance to i don't think we ever learned cinnamon girl if you know what i mean um <laughs> so uh that said, it was kind of tough in Boston, so we had a calendar you know that we were I had connections, Stephen had connections uh from our other bands, and we just would try to keep keep the calendar full you know at least for a month so we knew we could pay the rent and at one point we were the calendar was pretty pretty empty, and we had also just auditioned for uh, the manager in Boston at that time, who was the biggest promoter he brought the Beatles to to uh, Boston, and and he had a, a a venue where he brought Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and all that. So he had a, you know, he was the guy. When he saw us, he wanted to manage us, and so we had his record, we his management contract in one hand. And this is, I swear to God, this is the truth. It sounds like it, it belongs in a book, but we had the the management contract, which was thick, and we didn't know what the fuck it said, but it just said sign here. And you know, yeah. on the other hand, we had the eviction notice—the second one. You know, the next one is they throw you out. So, uh, right, yeah. And that, so we sat in the room and said, "Do we sign this?" I mean, he said, "You know, he'll give us a salary of a hundred dollars a week, and he's the guy." You know, so but there was that that moment when we sat there and we said, "Do we sign yeah. this?" I don't know what it. You know, is it forever? Is it what we didn't know? But it was like in so many bands back then and still do don't step back and go listen i should have a lawyer look at this tell me what it really says you know so and this it, was a mistake was it and it kept us in, in you know w- with a roof over our heads and it worked out really well because frank actually had he was he was sick and he knew we, he didn't have too many years left and he's the one that introduced us to the managers in new york who had just signed the dolls and helped set up the, the gigs in at Man, Max's Kansas City, because he knew all the, all the, all the, the players the, at the agencies and all that. So he knew, he, he, he set us up pretty well, you know, and he remained a, a friend until he, he passed for me. I mean, he kind of took me under his wing. But anyway, that said, it was kind of like that was one of those moments. But it was, wasn't like we were going to stop. It was like, what are we going to do to keep it going? New, I, new I think what I, you know, funky.
1: what I was, what I was, uh, what I was talking about earlier, really was also, you know, later on when you left the band and the and it wasn't working for you. But then there's suddenly this rebirth and and in the in the '80s, in the mid '80s, you know, co, you know, yeah. with, with Walk This Way, an old song that you that was on the Toys in the Attic in '75, which is incredibly funky. But this becomes the thing. I mean, I I was living in. You know, we were tour I was touring with with um, with Spano Valley, and we were in America a lot at that time. And just how much that track just knocked everybody out because there's this coming together as genres that was really not you never saw in America. You never saw that. You know, the the black radio coming together with white rock. I mean, it was extraordinary. I mean, what tell us about how that all came about?
2: Also, could I-, I just want to make one point about that that crossover is that the track is basically. Just walk this way. That's the thing. There's nothing's actually been done to the track. It is it's your just, song. It's no, just, they we, come in at the no, end. We, ago,
3: right? re- yeah. re- re- we re-recorded. I mean, it, the only. I th- know that, but in terms of the sound and the feel, th- that was it. Right on this time, uh, I was hearing it from my my son's bedroom blasting out. We read in Rolling Stone, Rick Rubin calling "Walk This Way" proto rap and i kind wow. of got that you know and I, yeah i could see that you know i see i see a, a direct connection between blues and, and and rap but uh that's another story but the point is is that then that followed up with a phone call we knew that they were sampling like drum sounds for their for, to to rap over from from rock records you know you know uh, bonzo's bonzo's drum licks and yeah you know, that was pretty common. When the
2: levy breaks was a big one, wasn't it?
3: Huge. And so that way, you know, and and we were, we were like, again, we're honored to to hear that, that they were using that drum thing for one of this, you know, walk this way. And so Rick was the one that said, why don't you come in and and we're not sure it'll work. We're not sure it's going to go on the record, but, you know, just come down and we'll try it. And, you know, it was like uh, just one of those things, you know, a little bit outside the box. Let's try it. You know I mean? I was, fascinated with the with the simplicity of the of how how amazing rap was because it was so elemental and you could not not move to it and there were it was the same the, the lyrics were speaking to their lives just like the blues you know the early That's the blues good. players you know they'd, they'd be sitting in a corner and playing like that like incredibly you know heavy rhythm rhythms
1: so you know you know when it reminded it was almost a bit like when Andy Warhol came together with Basquiat you know it felt like you know this was a piece of cultural history that was being made in art
3: yeah and and so that that part of it was like it was really interesting to to be there and see how they recorded and I just brought my guitar with me and they were going well we they got into it and we kind of like uh and and Rick said, I think we should maybe put some bass on it. There's no, it need needs some bass guitar. And uh, a couple of the guys that were hanging out in the studio that were also, that, who Rick was working with, teenagers were hanging out. And one of them said, I got a bass at home. It's around the corner. He came back with it and, and I put the bass on it. And that's what, that flushed out the track. And that was, the, the, those those kids were the Beastie Boys. And uh, ah! so it, you know, listen that's great the lord works in mysterious ways huh so anyway so that that said you know we weren't sure it was going to go on the record and then a couple months later or whatever months rick called and said we're going to put it on the record we'd like to do a video with you and uh okay they sent some plane tickets we we flew in we were on the road uh had a couple days off and we did we did the video and when they that's when we first heard of the you know what the Storyline was, which was turned out to be pretty amazing. You know, um, it was great. It was a yeah,
2: great video. What yeah.
3: it did, it was, it, it, and it really, it was the first time it went on MTV. You know what I mean? And it was, it worked great for, for each of us, for our, each of our careers. But it was the first time like rap was on MTV, and it yeah. broke that wall yeah. down. And so, like for that, I Literally. mean, I wish I could have planned it. Instead, I, I thought of it. I didn't but to be part of it it's um, definitely a high point in my career. And, uh, you know, I think, and, I think what's been, sorry, Joe, but no, what's okay. been
1: incredible about, about your career is that you, you're, you, you weren't closed about bringing in other writers at times. So, you know, obviously John Bon Jovi's had a big hit as well with Desmond Child, but bringing in Desmond to, to work with you on songs, it didn't, it didn't seem to, there was no one getting sort of you didn't feel uptight about that you were very open to that
3: well we all were uptight about it i mean we were kind of but we didn't didn't say no you know what i mean we we, we also had a saying like dare to suck and yeah. let's try it and those two things would have been our kind of like uh you know bylaws if there's anything Aerosmith lived by a from big the strategy card from the very start. <laughs> and it was like, well, let's try it. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, we kind of played it out like in the seventies. And, and we were, listen, we were, we went and we did a tour when the band got back together, we did a tour without an album. In fact, we had to buy our way out of our Columbia deal. I mean, after, after making so much money for them for eight years or seven years or whatever it was, they said we owed them money so we had to buy our way out of the deal they didn't want to record us anymore we had no record label we had nothing except our fans which is huge and that that was that's why we're there you know so we figured a us tour let's see if we can stand each other and play together again and uh see how see what's out there and sure enough the, the back in the saddle tour uh you know we did that that whole summer and played we every, every gig we could get and felt good about it and that's when uh we thought we'd we do done with mirrors which was uh printing everything backwards was a real indicator of like maybe that's not such a great marketing plan but you know it was kind
2: of uh, it was we uh, you, you get the feeling that from then on though i just <laughs> this is from walk this way yeah. I guess it's basically starting with permanent vacation. There is this, because I remember yeah. all those albums that were, were fantastic. There's this feeling that like you couldn't put a foot wrong for like 10 years. It's that like everything you did landed. Well, we, um, we, we worked hard at did it. Feel, did it feel like that? Yeah. I was going to say, but I mean, it was, did it some... feel like, like the wind was with you. Well, we always felt like we had
3: more than one guardian angel. I've always felt that about me. And I think that maybe some of that spread around the rest of the guys, I, whether it maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. I know that, when Steven and I was sitting at a party up at Lake Sunapee, talking about him joining me and Tom, he was saying, he, he was thinking of like, you know, hanging it up. He had had like, you know, a bunch of different bands. They were all great cover bands. And maybe they did, a, had a couple of singles, but just never, never really made a lot of noise. And he was so frustrated at that point. And he was thinking about just giving it up for a while, you know, laying low and just, didn't know what he was going to do you know he was kind of at that point and uh then that's when we started but right around then was when we hooked up and we did that demo tape so he could get a gig but you know he'd never heard back about it and uh clearly jeff was on to something else and uh yeah you know it was like uh (laughs) heaven that that kind of thing was like we we thought well fuck it let's 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 go for it and uh so the, those kind of moments, you know, you look back and you go like, well, you, it's not like about there's a great plan, like a one year plan, a five year plan, a 10. It's like the next day plan, you know, and that's yeah. always yeah. been the thing. We always just tried things and let's see, let's meet this guy, Desmond's child. Let's see what it's like. But we weren't. You know jumping up and down
1: oh, diane you know, warren like, diane warren you know i mean you took on diane warren as well i mean but you know you made that song your own and i think that's always been the thing with you know it might be desmond child it might be diane warren but in the end it always sounds like
3: aerosmith well we try you know another one was doing that movie with the sergeant pepper movie you know i mean i like to think yeah. that we got away clean with that we got Two things we got. Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, you you just reminded me you had got away with that. Yeah, we got. (laughs) Who who directed that? (laughs) You know,
3: and we just, you know, we we uh, got a chance. The two hooks for us were, you get to record with George Martin. The second one was you get to record with George Martin, and the third one is you get to cover a Beatles song (laughs) with George Martin.
2: So, oh, talk. Talking of which, because we haven't got long left. Uh, unfortunately with you, Joe, because because we, we need to talk, say a bit about, because the fact, talking about George Martin, you had Paul McCartney on the Hollywood Vampires album.
3: Yeah, well, he's on the first one. I mean, what? 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 How was that? Were you all in the same and room? He's bad pl- and he's playing
2: the violin bass, right? Bad
3: company. Uh, not bad company, bad <laughs> finger, sorry. Uh, bad finger, bad uh, finger. And, track, and yeah. no, he came in and, you know, I guess, because because Johnny had just done that, no, no, what was the hookup there? I think it maybe it was cuz he worked with Alice. I'm not sure who who had his number, but anyway, he uh he said, uh, come on down, uh, you know, somebody said would would do it. We're covering some songs. We want to cover uh cover that that uh if you want it and would you want to come in and play on it? And he came in like with his bass under his under his arm and uh the bass by the way and the bass yeah Yeah, that's
2: what the what yeah with the candlestick park set list on it
3: and exactly and i'll tell you man it was like you, you had to like i mean being a one of like 80 million guys and girls that saw the beatles on on ed sullivan uh and basically changed the course of yeah fucking life Life, life. The amount we, of
2: people we've had on this show. The life, amount of people we've had on this show. Where it's it's the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. Life, that's it. That's they've changed zero. life
3: yeah. as we know it at that point. And you know, you got to kind of put that on a shelf. And then he's just he, he's just another guy who's like you know, was a fucking great player, obviously. And it's not it, it, it's yeah. impossible not to have a little bit of that clicking in the back. Uh, but, he spews
1: um, ideas, but know. he
3: came in and he sat down at the piano and it was and he and, and we we played we recorded it live and then then he uh he put put a bass on it bruce whitkin the guy who engineered my last solo record uh played bass to fill in and then he knew paul was gonna put that on and then he he, he sang it and uh he became Fantastic. a Hollywood vampire, so it was. but so, uh, let's let's, but it was let's great talk to, about to be able to talk to him and just just say, just talk to him for a minute and say, like I asked him, did you write that song? Like it? I bet you wrote that in twenty minutes, facetiously, you know. And he said, well, you know, matter of fact, you know, we just signed this band, and uh I knew they needed a single, so and, and I was thinking about it in the middle of the night, I got an idea. I went down and and comped it on the piano and recorded that, and then I then I went into Apple a day an hour before the other guys and played all the come instruments, up. handed them the cassette, and that's the last time he ever played it. till, till we were doing it, then. That, and no is no is lyric it, sheets, no nothing. He sat you down, want it and,
1: come and get it, yeah yeah, and know, there and, it. and yeah.
3: there it is. And then then it was like, holy shit, you know, I mean. But it was just like just talking to, and just he's a really amazing. Is everything everybody could say good about a genius and uh, of course. Anyway, it was uh, Joe. Great we experience. we
1: had uh, we we had Alice Cooper on this show uh, last year. Alice is the, one of the great storytellers. Wow, uh, and so this band, this current lineup of Hollywood Vampires, is is obviously Alice and you and Tommy and Johnny. Yeah. Depp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, Johnny, actually, can we just, uh, we should just mention passing of Jeff Beck, I guess, because obviously, yeah, Johnny was playing, was touring with him. And you were close to, to, to Jeff as well, weren't you?
3: Well, yeah, the last few years, I got a chance to, to really get to know him. Uh, you know, I've been a fan since the, since I heard the first uh, Yardbirds yeah records. Well, you said you know, the Yardbirds,
2: and... yeah, you said yeah. Yardbirds straight off the bat. Yeah. yeah.
3: So, I mean, it was, I always heard something different from him you know what I mean he was always didn't play what you'd expect and then you know the the truth record was like holy shit you know that that record is incredibly well produced and it's the guitar just anyway after he he passed I mean obviously I mean I kind of like ran through my mind all the different times I had a chance to just shake his hand you know before I was before Aerosmith you know when I was just another fan in the audience, which I still am, you know, and nothing's changed there. And, uh, and I remember waiting for him at the stage door in Boston at the tea party and nobody was there. I was the only person and just another geeky kid, you know, and I, I just didn't want an autograph. All I wanted to do was shake his hand and tell him he was the best. And that was oh, it. And wow. he said, thanks. Wow. And that was it. And then as, you oh, know, I, I managed to see every every tour every itineration over the years and you know as time went on i got to got enough credibility to get a backstage pass you know and then uh -hmm. like the first time we played in san francisco at the at the Fillmore or winterland um and i remember he was in town and somebody said hey jeff jeff's up there in the balcony and uh sure enough he was up there with with one of his guys probably you know i looked up i saw him there and while we were on stage and then he, he uh i'm just really glad he 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 hooked up with johnny they had a great a, a great time getting to know each other and it was all about having a good time and uh yeah.
1: Uh, how 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 do you guys how do you guys decide what tracks you're going to do because i mean you are a barroom band aren't you, you cover you're a covers group in many ways aren't you i know you write your own stuff as well but yeah, you also we, do yeah. other people's
2: but well, you've got an album of covers and an album of new stuff right yeah pretty much. well so
1: wh- what's this tour going to be because you're coming to the uk in the summer aren't you
3: yeah we'll, we'll be playing probably the majority of stuff off the new record again it didn't we were playing playing a lot of music from it on the last the last run but this time, we're really going we're going to re-release some songs, put a video out or two, and, uh, and I would say we'll do a, uh, a fair amount from the, from the new record, and we'll, we'll cover a few of the like we'll probably do a couple of Alice's songs, a couple of my songs, oh, that kind of. Thing, oh, was, my gosh, what
0: a
2: night. You and, know? and you're being supported by the tube. Oh, Fee Wable! Yeah. Is Fee Wable playing? I mean, that's amazing. I noticed you're being supported by the Tubes, except in Scarborough. So, what I want to know is what went down the last time the Tubes played in Scarborough? Uh,
3: you know, who who knows? You know, at this point, who knows? But uh, you know, I've just been just starting to get because uh, the 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 start dates and the end dates have been kind of. Uh, shifting around a little bit we have a we had the, the window for this tour has been on the books for 2 years i mean that's how far out we have to book the vampires because of the three of us have different yeah. jobs we all have day jobs you know so it's kind of <laughs> uh,
2: uh, oh, you know, it's, not, it's the same with with having gary in the band working with an actor it's a, uh, it's a nightmare yeah, isn't it, it's it a nightmare. well
3: yeah well it's, it's that kind of but then alice is always on the road if he's got you know and yeah. and or playing with, golf with yeah well he does both i mean that's what keeps him going he plays golf every day every show day he plays golf i mean he's, he's a machine it's hard getting it all together but when we get like a, a block of time then we have to fight everybody off, you know. It's like, yeah, but you sure? And that's it, man. I don't know when we're gonna play again. It took two, three, four years. What since the last tour? We're just really anxious yeah. to get out and play some of the, the yeah, the stuff that really represents what the band's about. You know, I, I love doing the the cover record, but the real we've really poured our hearts and soul into that into. The, the new record—it's really Guy, exciting.
1: Guys, it's going to be a rock on tours It's going to be a rock on tour's night out, isn't it? See oh, to see, see rock Joe on and Alice out. on we've, stage. We've right. got to
2: come and see you. Yeah, you know. Got got I, you, I
3: feel like it's the it's the the best unknown band in the world.
2: <laughs> if I do
3: say so. But you know, I mean, when you get when you got four guys that, that play like that, and, uh, and Johnny—it's been interesting to see the audience reaction to Johnny because it's like obviously, I mean, the, he's such a, an amazing person and draw and what you see is what you get really is you know but he's a guitar player first he's a musician first and yeah he's he's a
2: great guitar player yes there's no
3: question and after the first couple songs you know people kind of go he's in the band it's not you know uh, you know he's not going to break into Jack's not a gimmick you know uh there's like with three different, you know, and and art and, and and Alice is a performance artist, you know. I mean, he was yes. one of the ones. That, I mean, he's a pioneer in that shit. And you know, yeah. and the thing I, he really loves about being in the Vampires is when he's on stage with his band, he doesn't talk to the audience. He he is in character, and if he talks to the audience, he's going to break character. And in the band ba- in and the Vampires, he gets to be a rock singer and he talks to the audience and and it's a different a whole different thing for him i mean you, you can't take the uh the uh d- take alice cooper out of the out of you can't yeah yeah he's not gonna he, he's not going to be vince he's not going to be vince no no well he is a little bit but uh he still spends a half an hour warming up by throwing knives at the latest uh <laughs> latest cover of the of the sun you know uh yeah, but, um, <laughs> but you know That's how he kind of gets warmed up But You can't take the, the, the Cooper out of Alice So, um, But he feels like he gets to be Like a, ro- a rock singer In a band as opposed to having to put on Take on that persona Thank you so much for coming on the show Joe yeah, yeah. You've got to go You've got someone else joy. No yeah. problem yeah. Man. It's great talking to you guys And uh, I hope to see you uh, over there on, on your side of the pond we, you
1: will. Uh, we, 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 Um, I think we might know who your PR is, and we'll, we're we're going to get ourselves a couple of
2: tickets, aren't we? That would be we
3: great. Indeed, well, Joe. make sure you you introduce yourselves. You know, I mean, uh, we will in, in, absolutely. Not, you know, we'll uh, come back.
2: I'll come up and say thanks awfully. All right, it's true, man.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, all uh, right, Joe. Thank
1: you. Uh, all all, all right. the best. Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much, man. Bye. Bye.
2: No, I was going to say that was really good. I I love it. He was someone who really wanted to give a full answer. To a question he did and you know like that you know which is really really nice and, and he yeah you because know, this
1: is you know these are ultimate rock and roll iconic looking guys aren't they and yeah he was so down to earth here and yeah. and humble i felt about yeah. where he was in in and what he'd achieved and all of those things and, uh, and what i didn't get to ask him is if if uh, aerosmith is gonna do any more at some stage but i'm sure th- their career isn't over yet is it no, no, no. You um, ain't play you ain't playing
2: bass for him anymore though? No. Thank I'm, you no, awfully. I've never, I've I never, mean really thank, thanks awfully. I, know. Thanks, I, I Awfully. I, I just I just became John the Measurer. <laughs> <laughs> thanks awfully. Yeah. Well, well. Listen,
1: anyway, guy. Thanks awfully for, for this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Thanks awfully. That's
2: how, to, that's how I used to end my stand-up show. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks al- awfully to Ben. Thanks awfully to all you at home yeah, listening. Yeah, and that's, yeah. it's turned into Itmar or something, hasn't it? Yes. Thanks awfully <laughs> for everyone for and put that light out. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's good night from me and it's good night from them. Thanks awfully. Rock Tours is produced by Gimme Sugar Productions.